one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You know at some point that your baby will develop a routine and start sleeping for longer stints, but when you are up most of the night, believe me, I know, this can seem like a distant hope. Finding what works for you and your baby is key, but this takes time and it often requires support. This is where the Peanut app comes in. It provides a safe space for mothers, expectant mothers, and those trying to conceive to build friendships, ask questions, and find support. From advice on sleep routines to breastfeeding, Peanut is the place to connect with women who understand what you are going through. You can download the Peanut app for free today on your app store or head to peanut.app.link slash food for thought. Hello and welcome to Food for Thought on Motherhood, a special mini-series on all things pregnancy, childbirth and baby. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In this special mini-series, I'm joined by leading health professionals so that together we can all learn fact from fiction and support your journey, whether that's through conception, pregnancy, or just like me as a brand new mum. Having a good night's sleep may seem impossible as a parent, believe me, I know, but there are things you can do to make it a little bit easier. This Food for Thought on Motherhood sees sleep consultant Rosie Davidson and I delve into the secrets of how much sleep your baby really needs and how to develop the best bedtime routines. Hello, Rosie. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, no. Thank you for coming on. I think you're about to help a lot of parents out there, Rosie. Um, I am one of them that called out for you pretty much um, as soon as I knew that I could do something with Zachary for his sleep because I think sleep when the baby sleeps sounds blissful enough in theory doesn't it but it's not really as simple as that is it well it's not it's not the most practical advice um because having a baby although it's all encompassing there are other things that we need to do in our lives so feeding ourselves looking after ourselves looking after our homes potentially working potentially our partners working so it's not always practical to sleep when baby sleeps no, and it's actually really hard to do as well. I think napping is an art in itself. I don't know what you think, but actually trying to get to sleep in the middle of the day, it's quite hard sometimes. It really is. Um, I I think napping in the day is great if you're someone who can do it. But interestingly, we should only really nap for about 15 minutes. Otherwise, you can get something called sleep inertia when you wake up. So that's that kind of groggy feeling. Um, So research tells us that around 15 minutes is a really good power nap to rejuvenate us. Um, But much more than that can actually make you feel worse. 
that's exactly what's been happening to me then yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm always reaching for the biscuit tin the minute I wake up from a nap and now I know now I know well, that's, why that's also your blood sugar dropping when you're asleep as well so that is really really normal it's normal for us to want something to eat when we wake up well there we go see this is exactly why we've got you on this podcast yeah um, if we go back for people listening to the lead up to having a baby, yes. what would you say is the best thing that a parent or parents can do to prepare for this? So I think as with any anything to do with parenting, we think we need all of these gadgets. We need to do lo- like buy loads of stuff. And that really isn't what I'm about. I think it's about keeping it really, really simple. So babies just need somewhere safe to sleep. Um, a firm surface to sleep on they need some baby grows to wear they need some milk whether that's breast or formula um, and they need nappies and they need cuddles and that's really all they need yeah so I think I, we can, yeah we can get really obsessed with buying loads of stuff and loads of gadgets but I think preparing yourself mentally um, is probably more valuable than it is kind of with things if that makes sense no, it really does. I was going to say that's so interesting because I was definitely, I think, in a stage of panic when I was preparing, thinking, I don't know how many baby grows I need, or do I need to buy all these different sorts of, I don't know, things that you put on the cot. Um, yeah. Just everything, Rosie. It was it was so overwhelming. And but one thing that I did do, which I think really did help, is um, meal prep. Obviously, as a nutritionist, that's yes. the area I can yes. actually do. But frozen meals and even now and Zachary's only in his third month of, of life um yeah. even now having those frozen meals in the freezer is always a lifesaver yeah absolutely and the thing is when you're sleep deprived and I'm sure we'll touch on this more but no one can really prepare you for that um those those early days those first few weeks um but getting some good nutrition into your body is going to really really help you and quite naturally we all reach for fast food and easy things because we don't feel like standing in a kitchen let alone whether we're actually physically able to do that depending on our births so having that pre-prepared is so valuable and I always say to people you know if you're wondering what to take round to a friend with a new baby if you're dropping off food fantastic that's mm. a great thing to do um, in some cultures in Indian cultures and other cultures they all they the community will bring food to the mother um, and I think that's just amazing yeah. I just I I, th- I feel I feel filled with sadness sometimes when I think about how I mean it's amazing the culture we live in in the UK we're very very lucky it's very diverse but I do feel that we've lost the care and that's probably a whole other podcast actually yeah. um, topic on postpartum care for mums because I mean maybe I had a different experience Rosie but I was obviously Zachary was born in the peak of the pandemic, the yes. highest cases recorded the week he was born. And we couldn't have anybody see him for about seven to no. eight weeks anyway, which was hard enough. I don't know any mm. different, but it's definitely not that kind of attitude in the UK, UK is there where, isn't it a village to grow your baby? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I always say who mothers the mother, you know, mm. um, it's about building that support network, but also putting your boundaries in place. So we talk about pulling up the drawbridge, protecting yourself in that bubble. But if I always say to people, if someone wants to come and feed you or <laughs> clean your home, um, that's more valuable than it is for somebody who wants to come around and hold your baby. That's not you don't need someone to hold your baby. You can do that or your partner can do that. Um, you need someone to come and do the other bits and look after you. Yeah, 
No, I, I completely, completely agree. It's very interesting, actually, because even when we had people to visit after um, the quarantine was lifted and they, they mm. could come, it was still very much, I'm hosting, you know, would you like a cup of tea? Would you like a drink? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's still, no. It's, yeah, it's, that just, it cringes me out, honestly. I mean, yeah. I've had lots of friends who've had babies and I wouldn't dream of it. I would pop in with food and if they wanted me to, I would offer to make them a cup of tea because they're the ones who need it, not, yeah. not the guests who are arriving. So, yeah. It's an interesting one. So to anybody listening, that's probably the best thing you can do for someone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, food, looking after yeah. them you know prioritizing them because the baby will be fine the baby doesn't need the visitors no no it's 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 so true let's move um on to the topic that I've got you on here for Mm -hmm. because you are the expert here which is um how well you can get your baby to sleep and we know that that is based on a multitude of things isn't it it's not a simple thing yes oh there's so many things that go in into sleep um and obviously, newborns, it's very, very normal for them to wake a lot um, and to not sleep much. But some of them, I mean, ideally, we're looking for kind of 10 to 18 hours a day across the, across 24 hours for newborns. But it, it really varies so much. Um, mm. And if you have a baby who maybe has reflux or an undiagnosed dairy allergy or some other kind of health condition going on, um, very windy baby, there's all these different things that can really cause disturbances with sleep. Um, but there's so many things we can look at. So I can kind of go through the areas. The first thing really is sleep environment. And I always talk about this with everyone. Mm. Um, you can't think about this too early. This is fine to look at. So blacking out your room, um, for every baby I talk about this and adults as well. So to help support, um, a good settled night's sleep, we want it to be dark because that helps support our melatonin production, our sleepy hormone. Um, and also for babies, it can help signal that it's time to sleep, um, especially as they get a bit bigger. Um, so once they get kind of three months and up, um, they can get quite distracted um, and it gives them a nice signal that it's wind down time. Um, and also if you're to wake up, if they're to wake up in the early hours of the morning, you know, like at the moment, I think it gets like about half five at the moment. But that, you know, will gradually get later. But still, if there's a bit of light coming in, that's enough to stimulate them and perhaps tell them it's time to start the day. No, it's um, we bought on your suggestion, the blackout blinds. Yes. And it does make a difference, because especially in this lovely weather that we're getting um, at the time this is being recorded. Yeah. It's very light. It's been very sunny and lovely. And I have noticed, um, I don't know if it's just me and Zachary's still very young, but he definitely does know now, I think. He's got to that point where he's like, oh, it's dark. You know, he definitely yes, knows yeah. the difference between night and day. Yes. Um, some people ask me, you know, oh, should you give them their naps in the dark? Because is that not going to confuse them? And I am, I'm really passionate about it, doing the naps in the dark so that you're giving them the message it's time to unwind and go to sleep. Um, and like we said, you know, Zachary's kind of age, he's becoming more aware, he's more easily stimulated. Um, and it just gives that message that, oh, I can switch off. And it's, it's giving that message to our body subconsciously as well. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely helped with us I know and I've also noticed that the temperature of the room because I think when um is there something to do with babies suddenly at 3 a.m or 2 a.m noticing a temperature shift does that happen it's possible so some babies um 
some parents might find that they're waking up somewhere between kind of three and five a.m. and it can potentially be to do with a temperature dip. Um, so what I would do there is just make sure that they're wearing appropriate bedding. Um, if you have a baby that's older and they might kick off bedding, then I advise a baby sleeping bag and that helps kind of maintain their temperature really. When you say baby sleeping bag, so something that I was, and this really confused me so mm. much before when I was pregnant, every, you know, the little tick list of things you need to buy. Yeah. <laughs> sleeping bags were on there. I was thinking sleeping bags. I didn't have a clue. And I, I bought, um, because they looked pretty, these really thick, heavy, gorgeous Peter Rabbit sleeping bags. But it's way too warm. So he hasn't used them because it's summer. I didn't know that you have to look at the tog temperature, don't you, on the side. Now I've got this nice muslin type one, which is perfect for this weather. But I think that's one of the hardest things, regulating things like room temperature. Yeah, it is really hard. So the optimal temperature is 16 to 19 degrees, which is kind of on the cooler side. But naturally, our bodies prefer to sleep when it's cooler Um, our bodies find it easier to sleep but obviously in certain circumstances we can't control the heat so the weather you know um, in the summer it's very very warm so don't panic if you can't actually bring down the temperature of the room but what we can do is dress babies appropriately so it's really important for babies that they don't overheat because they can't regulate their temperature in the same way that an adult can and um, getting too hot is something that can increase the risk of SIDS so I always think if you're unsure, maybe take off a layer. If you want to kind of check how warm they feel, um, don't feel their extremities, so their hands and their feet, because they always feel a little bit colder than they are. So you can feel their torso. And that's quite a good indicator of how warm they are. But it's just using common sense. Mm. So, you know, if you if you feel too hot to have your duvet on, it's probably too hot for them to have their sleeping bag on if it's kind of a heat wave or something. And if you feel a bit chilly and you think it's on the chilly side, then use a, um, a warmer talk. There are some guides out there. If you Google it, there are guides from the sleeping bag company. So you can always have a look at that as well as a guideline. Yeah, no, that that's very, very important. And would you say getting them used to, so I don't know if this also helps with a baby sleep, but being outside in the daylight as well so getting outside of your house does that make a difference yeah absolutely so daylight natural light is so important for all of us so adults children babies um, it helps set our circadian rhythm our internal body clock um, and definitely with smaller babies as well before they're producing their own melatonin which is the they don't do that in the first few months getting them outside in the natural light is is paramount really so and also I mean there's loads of other things connected to it like mental health for parents yes yes I think it's so important and I always say to parents if you can try and get out twice a day so once in the morning and once in the afternoon and even if if the most you can manage is a five minute walk around the block that's better than nothing. But if you can spend a bit more time outside, it will really benefit you and your baby. Yeah, no, I'm taking your advice because when we spoke on on the phone the other week, it's really helped me getting Zachary out mid-morning and mid-afternoon mm. and when he's awake. So it's quite nice because he just lies in the pram and his favourite thing to do is looking up at the trees. Now, now yes. he can see, obviously, it depends on the age of the baby to anyone yeah. listening, but he loves it and I really think that that tires him out and it's made a difference in his daytime naps because he does just he does just fall asleep I think so much easier than he did before before he even had all that stimulation and when it 
when it comes to choosing where your baby sleeps then yeah would you always recommend um being in the house in the cot or is it it okay to have them out and about with you I always say do you know what it has to work for you and your life but if you're working on sleep and you want to kind of work on improving it then I do think having um, sleeps in their cot at home can help support nighttime sleep simply because they've become more used to that sleep environment so they're more used to sleeping there the same way that you or I probably sleep better um, in our bed at home um, maybe the first night when you go on holiday or if you stay somewhere strange sometimes well, not for everyone but a lot of people might not sleep quite as soundly because it's unfamiliar so familiarizing them with the cot during the day can really help support nighttime however if you are someone who's really struggling it's better for baby to nap in the pram or the sling than not nap at all yeah I think I started off so before I got in touch with you and it was actually working really well I think around week eight yeah I had a kind of schedule that was it was working for us but I knew it wasn't obviously it changes all the time I'm yeah. definitely no expert but he always fell asleep in the sling in the morning we would go out for a walk and he would just conk out and it was actually really special like, I really liked that yeah. time together because I was getting fresh air I got to be really close to him and I think um sometimes there's almost too much of a, a pressure very early on to not have them with you but You've got to enjoy it as well, I think, because they're only that little once, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with contact naps. So some people do that for a long time. Um, And certainly when they're in the the fourth trimester, so those first few months of a baby's life, it's really common that they want to be close to you. Um, And it's it's nature's way of of surviving, really, because... um, back in prehistoric times you know life was really dangerous so our babies needed to be on us and close to us it's actually kind of a modern phenomenon to to have them away from us um so it's a normal thing for them to want to do basically and mum as well well yeah no definitely but there's also other people that um say oh they shouldn't sleep in your bed with you co-sleeping what are your thoughts around co-sleeping so if we look at safe sleep guidelines we know that their own sleep space in a cot crib Moses basket is the safest way for them to sleep however if you feel like you want to co-sleep or you don't have another choice because I don't know baby won't just won't settle in their own sleep space you can co-sleep safely so you just need to recreate safe sleeping conditions which means a firm flat mattress Um, And you'd need to make sure that there wasn't any of your bedding around baby. And one of the most dangerous things, actually, is babies overheating. So um, the instances of SIDS tend to be when babies have got caught up or smothered by bed, like caught up in or smothered by bedding. Mm. So pillows, duvets. If you think about it, a duvet for an adult, it's (laughs) so different to what you'd have for a baby. So keeping them away from bedding. You can't have any other kids in the bed, no pets. You can't do it if you've been drinking alcohol or smoking um, or taking drugs or medications that might make you drowsy. Um, also, if, you, if you're if you severely sleep deprived, it's not a great idea because um, you might not be quite in tune with your baby. Um, so there's lots of things to think about. Gosh. Yeah, no, yeah. it can really, it kind of sent a shiver through me when, when I think about it. And for the listeners that don't know, SID stands for um, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Yes. Which is a, a terrible thing actually I much prefer yeah. calling it SIDS actually than even when yeah. you when you say it out loud because that's every parent's worst nightmare yeah. but 
it's it's really important to be to be aware of of these things that Rosie's just delved into. Yeah. Um, if we could maybe go through safety checks to do on your baby before they go to sleep, is there anything that we should all be doing? Well, I just think just obviously being in tune with your baby and just making sure they're okay. We should always put them down on their backs to sleep as well. Um, making sure they're appropriately dressed, that kind of thing. Um, if they've got reflux or anything like that, holding them upright after feeds. Um, but as long as you're, you know, you're comfortable, your baby's happy and healthy, that's fine. Yeah, I've got to admit the first few weeks, um, I just, I mean, I had a not a great experience with the birth, which I talk yeah. about on the the podcast food for thought with my birth story yes and if anyone wants to go back and listen listen to that rather than me go into it again here but I would just stare at Zachary I mean I don't think I I could possibly sleep Rosie I was just led in the bed and even now still when he's near me I have to actually physically make myself sleep on the other side of the bed away from him because I'm just I'm watching him all the yeah. time yeah but it, it's it's like an instinctive thing it's really hard to um to switch off from it but now we've got more of a routine which actually we should delve into because you yes. helped um Zachary and I so much I mean he's still so young but he's already managed to do a few stints going through till 5 a.m or 6 30 which has been incredible Rosie because as you know we were getting you know like clockwork a 3 a.m wake up and then yeah. a 5 a.m and he's slowly getting there now to anyone listening that is probably thinking oh babies you know I know it changes I'm very aware that babies do their own thing but what do you think Rosie about routines is it too early when when should someone do it I I think it really depends on the person and the baby and whether you're a kind of routine person or not um and whether also whether you have the flexibility in your life that you can um be doing a routine or not be doing a routine so for some working parents like yourself actually having a bit a routine really benefits mm. you as well because otherwise how do you organize your life so it, it depends what you're like and some people hate routine and they just think right we're just gonna um follow baby's lead do whatever baby wants to do but sometimes baby does actually want a routine it's hard to work that out so I think starting with a gentle rhythm I like to call it from the very beginning is fine so once milk supply is established so if you're breastfeeding around six weeks you can start a gentle rhythm to your day now some babies naturally fall into this anyway and you don't actually have to do anything but others maybe you could start thinking about starting the day at roughly the same time every day Um, and that's beneficial for everyone in the family for all of us for our own circadian rhythms as well as babies so starting the day at a regular time so um babies are naturally quite early risers so I tend to say somewhere around 6 30 to 7 is a great time to start your day so it might just be that you do that initially and you aim to get them into bed around 7 p.m as well and then all of your naps and all of your feeds are just going to slot in wherever they do throughout the day just following baby's lead and then you might find actually I'm noticing a pattern and baby wants to go to sleep an hour and a half after they've woken up, for example, depending on their age or, or the baby um, in question. And then you'll start seeing seeing a pattern anyway. Um, but if you have no routine at all, then um, it, it might feel like quite a change to you. Yes. And I know that having it was it was obviously an option anecdotally for me it's helped so much because Mm. Zachary sleeps for two hours in the afternoon every morning he goes at nine for an hour 
two hours yeah. in the afternoon. I love it. And then half an hour around this time now we're recording this podcast. Amazing. And it's enabled me to have a little bit of reality I guess um just a chance to load the dishwasher or um (laughs) that's so silly but yeah to load the dishwasher (laughs) let alone record my podcast and and run the business but it and I think it's really helping him because I do feed on demand constantly because I'm breastfeeding but I do have a feeling of I can see his tire cues now like we discussed I can see when he's rubbing his eyes or he's yawning Mm -hmm. and if I miss that window it's tough but if I get that window he goes down 10 times better rather than waiting for bang on 12 o'clock perhaps it's 11 55 yeah yeah exactly but it always seems to help have you ever had an experience um with a parent who's been working with you and their baby has just been a kind of I don't know a miracle baby and just instantly they just they just get it yeah I have had that um so with some people it might just be that there is just a tiny tweak and there was one thing kind of holding them back from baby sleeping and it can literally happen in one night it's more common that it takes longer to address sleep issues or improve sleep it's quite common that it might take a week two weeks even a month or even longer depending what's going on but yeah absolutely I have seen that where it's just been as simple as blacking out their room or as simple as um, baby waking in the night but not upset and parents have gone in to pick them up and intervene when actually baby was quite happy and would have settled themselves back to sleep in the first place that's interesting because we got to that stage where he didn't need food anymore in the night and I think we just have to let it's really difficult to do as a parent when you know yeah. they're awake just to kind of wait and watch it's a very strange in the middle of the night you're so tired you're just like a zombie yes. and you're staring at them and they're kind of writhing around and throwing themselves around in the cot but but they're actually totally okay it's yeah <laughs> exactly I had I had someone asked on my Instagram the other day um my baby's very noisy and wakes up and is, is chatting really loudly. What do I yeah. do? I said, unfortunately, you just need to leave them alone. If they're chatting quite happily, some babies will even almost sing themselves to sleep. Mm. Um, and it's their way of unwinding. And that's okay. You need to let them do that and be happy and comfortable in their sleep space if they're not asking for you. Zachary throws his legs in the air and slams them down on the cot. <laughs> yes, it's the like... other leg slam. <laughs> yes, I'm like, it's like, I'm going to be as loud as I can in my sleep to wake mum up. Yeah. Um, but for any parents that are despairing, I completely feel you. If anyone's listening to this podcast thinking, I need help, it is tough. It, sleep deprivation is... It's oh, just, God, yeah. it, it's the hardest thing, I think, about being a new mum. I'm still very much in the middle of it. But for, for people listening, Rosie, can you give an average kind of time frame that they can look for to start maybe sleep training if they want to or how late should they leave it kind of thing? Sure. Well, it depends what you mean by sleep training. And I mm. think the term itself has kind of got a bad name um, in the last few years, but there's nothing wrong with implementing a routine and teaching your baby to fall asleep independently. Um, I tend to do it if you're kind of doing more formal sleep training, it would be from six months onwards. And actually that I tend to find it's really successful around that time because that's when solids are introduced. Um, Baby naturally has more of a routine anyway. Um, When they're a bit younger, 
things are more unpredictable, more sporadic. Um, there's more feeds needed, this kind of thing. So um, I think if you if you really want to do it and you're desperate, and you're thinking, I really want to do sleep training. I'd do it from six months. But introducing gentle sleep changes can happen, like I said, from six weeks, really. And that that purely is practicing. So I always talk about practicing putting them down to sleep. It doesn't have to be perfect. They might not get it every time. If they start crying and they get distressed, you pick them up and do something different. But it's a case of seeing if they can do it and giving them an opportunity to try and get themselves to sleep. Mm, because one thing that fascinates me and I want to delve into the science a little mm. bit because when you explained it to me it just made perfect sense about yes. a baby's sleep cycle being yeah. a lot a lot shorter is it 40 yes. minutes or yeah it tends to be around 45 minutes and how does that work for anyone listening they're saying what do you mean a baby's sleep cycle one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. So, we all go through sleep cycles, and actually, from, um, from the age of around four months, baby sleep changes and it becomes more like an adult. So their sleep cycles are more similar to ours. But all of us go through sleep cycles between light and deep sleep. And there's loads of really important stuff going on behind the scenes in our brains. But one of the things that our body's doing is safety checks. So checking, has anything changed in my environment? Is it safe to go back to sleep? And this sounds kind of a strange concept, but if you think about it, again, going back to being um, cave people, our lives were really, really dangerous. Um, There were predators and lots of other things around. And when we are in a deep sleep, we're incredibly vulnerable because we're hard to wake up. So we wouldn't necessarily hear that tiger coming around the corner. Um, So our bodies do safety checks and check has my environment changed? Does my environment seem okay? If so, I'll go back into a deep sleep. And it happens around six times a night. Um, it does vary a little bit. But you'll, if you watched someone on a camera, a baby or an adult, um, going through their sleep cycles at night, we all do something in between sleep cycles. So we might twitch, we might turn over, we might wake up, uh, we might go to the loo, we might, you know, a baby might have a chat to themselves. Or some of us literally might just flinch. It it really, really varies. But there's a lot going on behind the scenes to kind of keep us safe, really. Yeah, definitely. It makes, to me, it just made perfect sense. And it also made me appreciate that you can't force a baby into something because they just don't have those longer um, cycles as the adults have. And also, let's not forget, 
smaller babies have tiny tummies and they need mm. regular consistent feeding and they might also be waking up just for comfort or to tell you something else that they've got a, a dirty nappy or they feel cold or whatever else they're not always waking for hunger although it's obviously very common <laughs> Yes, no, um, which I realised um, recently. Uh, we have some questions yeah. from sure. um, our audience they want to ask. And the first one actually is really relevant, I'm sure, to so many people. Nikki has said, when my baby's overtired, he just screams. What do mm. I do? So there's two two things to think about. Now, first of all, I do think a lot of people really obsess about overtiredness. Um, and there's a lot of information about it online. But I think sometimes we can assume our babies are overtired when maybe they might not be. They might actually be crying for another reason. It might be um, that they're fed up or they're, I don't know, they've got a tummy pain or something else. The body is designed to go to sleep. We're really adept at going to sleep. And if you try and get them down when they're genuinely tired, they will go to sleep. But there is the element, the other thing to talk about with overtiredness, if they are genuinely chronically overtired, then cortisol, our stress hormone, does raise in the body slightly. And that acts a bit like they've had a shot of espresso. <laughs> so they'll find it really hard to settle. So it's about trying to as you were talking about earlier with Zachary, like trying to anticipate um, their window of tiredness. Um, that's where routine can really help because you can try and anticipate it before you get to that point. But trying to get them down before they, they reach the point of hysteria, before they get really, really overtired, but also not putting them down before before they're tired. So putting them down under tired, I actually, I actually believe is worse mm. because if you try and settle a baby who's not ready to go to bed, of oh, course they're going to cry and protest yeah. the same as you or I if I tried to go to bed a couple of hours before I was ready I'd toss and turn and be like oh huffing and puffing so yeah. it's it's really hard to get a balance but um yeah I tend to worry more about them being undertired than overtired because they will still go to sleep if they're overtired that makes sense otherwise they're just there smiling at you in their cot with yeah. that big smile like play <laughs> with me mum and I'm like no <laughs> yeah exactly exactly we've definitely been there um yeah. Annie has said my three-month baby can go without feeding during the night but isn't putting on as much weight as she should do so what's more important the sleep or the weight it's a balance of both. So I would speak to a feeding professional. So if you're breastfeeding an IBCLC, um, or perhaps you might want to speak to your health visitor or even your GP, if it's if it's a real weight concern, then it might be that a professional puts you on a feeding plan. Um, and perhaps upping the feeds during the day can be helpful. Um, and some babies would do like a lot of feeding. I know Zachary sometimes does this, a lot of feeding mm. before bed. So they're kind mm. of tanking up and some babies will naturally do that. Um, if if weight is a genuine concern, it might be that you are, um, it is suggested that you introduce a night feed. Um, but it's unusual that they would be telling you you'd need to feed through the night. Um, and it also depends on the, the baby and the extreme of the weight loss, if that makes sense. No, it, it really does. That was that was really helpful um, for yeah. Annie. And Laura has said, my baby prefers breastfeeding before bed and doesn't enjoy the bottle um, during the day when I leave her with others. Should I change to bottle before bedtime? It's really a personal choice. Um, if you want to continue to be able to combi feed or whether you're feeding express milk, 
you do need to give one bottle a day otherwise baby will start to reject it uh, but where you give that bottle is entirely up to you there's no benefit particularly to giving bottle or breast at, at bedtime um in terms of them kind of accepting it and stuff but if if you want to breastfeed and that's baby's preference, that's absolutely fine. There are hormones in breast milk that help baby sleep as well. And it's a natural process where we relax and, you know, enjoy having a cuddle and all those hormones are flying around, all the love hormones. Um, but it's really personal choice. There's no there's no rule to it, basically. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, right, we have our fact or fiction round, Ooh, Rosie. Okay. okay, if you could answer fact or fiction to the following questions, are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Always use a dummy to stop a crying baby. Fiction. You can sleep train from birth. Fiction. A playful bath time before bedtime doesn't help them go to sleep. Uh, I'm getting confused about that. I know, me too. Me, I had um, to think about it when I read it. It doesn't help them. Um, it can help them, but it can hinder them. So, oh, it's kind of in between. <laughs> I love that. The nuance. Yeah, um, sorry. No, it's good. You should never wake a sleeping baby. Fiction. Oh, can you just explain why? I'm sorry, I'm breaking the so, round because everyone knows that. There's loads of um, there's loads of reasons why you might wake a sleeping baby. Number one, if there's a feeding issue and they're going to miss a feed. If they're jaundiced or have an unhealth condition, you definitely need to wake them. I also wake them to protect the next nap. So um, that's another reason if you know that they're, ne- they're not, not going to take their next nap later on and end up over time for bedtime. Also, if they're doing loads of sleeping during the day and not a lot at night, then it's worth waking them definitely. There we go. Um, <laughs> breastfed babies sleep better than formula-fed babies. Fiction. Um, again, just I hear this all the time. I'm terrible at this fact or fiction round. I always hear that <laughs> formula-fed babies sleep better in the night and I was so jealous. Is that true? It's not true at all. So I would say 50% of my clients have breastfed babies and 50% formula-fed both of them have same challenges um, and actually sleeping issues I find are rarely linked to the feeding method um, unless there's a, a problem with the actual feeding which would be would probably be noticed earlier on but with older babies certainly there's absolutely no no difference in how well they sleep. Brilliant and um, the earlier you wean a baby the better their sleep. Fiction definitely. Here we go you should sleep when your baby sleeps. Fiction <laughs> babies only awaken if they're hungry fiction daytime naps are essential for a good night's sleep fact babies should always sleep in the dark fact oh that actually no oh no that's no. actually <laughs> fiction because there are sometimes when they might not if you were doing a sling nap or a pram nap okay cool or a contact nap <laughs> There we go. There we go. That was a good fact or fiction round, Rosie. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Um, Okay, great. Um, So that does wrap up the episode today, which I hope has been so helpful for everybody. Um, And we finished with a food for thought. So mine today would be that having and currently going through this myself at the moment, I've really realized that there is no kind of right or wrong. Um, And comparison for me has been one of the worst things. You hear your friend's baby sleeping through the night. Um, I I don't know that you feel that 
they're doing something so you should do it too but what what is important that I've learned from Rosie is that the nap schedule during the day has really helped me and my baby and of course that's a complete unique preference but if anybody out there has the chance to work on a nap schedule then you know maybe that's great but for others do let your baby be your guide I think that's the ultimate message I've got at the end is that you have to do what works for you yeah. um Rosie if you could leave our listeners with a helpful food for thought today what would that be sure so I would say there really is no such thing as a perfect parent or a perfect baby we're all human so things change there are times we struggle there are times we flourish and just to be kind to yourself really on on your parenting journey Oh, I love that. It's hard <laughs> because I think the kindness aspect, one of the hardest things to do, just like learning to nap in the day, is learning to be kind to yourself. Yes. And mum guilt is huge, and especially with sleep deprivation. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know I was mentally unwell from sleep deprivation yeah. after giving yeah. birth. It, it's big, you know. I think every single parent is a superhero. <laughs> I totally agree. And also the other thing to note is just, you know, if someone really is struggling, then do reach out for support, whether that's an expert um, or friends or family or somebody to talk to if you're really struggling. Yes. And Rosie, if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? Where can they get help? Um, So first point of call, my Instagram page is at just underscore chill underscore mama. Um, So I do lots of Q&As and I'm always... um, putting up content on there um also our website is www.justchillbabysleep.co.uk um so we have online courses and we do one-to-ones as well I've got an amazing team who work with me so if you want someone to hold your hand and talk you through it then we've got one-to-ones and if you're happy to go away and apply principles yourself then the online course is amazing perfect well Rosie thank you so so much for helping us all today on food for thought and thank you for having me Thank you so much for listening to what is the last episode of Food for Thought on Motherhood. I really hope that this has been an incredibly informative mini-series that will give you the confidence to enjoy motherhood by following evidence-based advice. I would like to share such a huge thank you to everybody who's listened, the wonderful guests that I've had on. And if you enjoyed this, please do leave a review so that we can reach those high highs in the charts. And hopefully the ultimate aim is to help more and more people. For more information about me, my nutrition clinic, the books, the blogs, healthy recipes, and so much more, please visit retrition.com and follow me at retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.